Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in. Episode 113 of What's Right with Nick Wright. And today's show is going to be a little different. We're going to do our full regular show, uh, but we're going to start that after this opening segment. So Demonze will come in with us after the opening segment. We'll have the fun and do the stuff we always do. Um, But we're going to start today talking about DeMar Hamlin. And right before uh, we went on the air, just moments ago, this might be breaking news to many of you guys, the Buffalo Bills tweeted out the following. I will read it in full. Per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. We are grateful for the love and support we have received. So I think for a lot of people, the key words there are neurologically intact. And as is the case with a lot of parts of this, great news is also somewhat almost horrifying in that that it is great news, right? So you're neurologically intact. I'm obviously not a doctor, and unlike lawyer, it's not even something I pretend to be. But it sounds like what they're saying is, I think that means that their concerns about brain damage have been alleviated to a degree. Again, I don't want to put out bad information. I'm just telling you my reaction neurologically intact is that's what they mean. Also, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted a few minutes ago, DeMar Hamlin opened his eyes last night and is responsive. Uh, Truly incredible. One thing that's clear from speaking to those close to him, they are endlessly appreciative of the medical care given to Hamlin on the field immediately than over the last 72 hours. Rappaport then also tweeted, DeMar Hamlin has been gripping the hands of those close to him. Another very positive sign. So this is all really excellent news. Like I think it seems... From reading what I've read from the people that actually are medical experts, this is about as good of news as you could possibly have got at this point in the situation, given what a scary and devastating situation this has been. So I want to spend a few minutes here talking about the great stuff 
and then talking about where I think we all must do better. And on the do better part, I have been wrestling with how to talk about this for 48 hours, and I'm still not sure how I'm going to do it. So we'll all find out together. On the, the, the great part, it is a testament to the professionalism, expertise, and ability of the people, the medical professionals in that stadium. And I do not think this is overstating it, that they saved this young man's life. And I had been hesitant on television on Tuesday to use the phrase saved his life because to me at the time from what I was reading was still very on the board that DeMar was going to lose his life. With this latest update, I don't, again, I I read you everything we have and I don't, I'm not a medical expert. So I don't want to act like, you know, he's totally out of the woods, but it looks like everything is trending in the right direction. From everything I've read about sudden cardiac arrest, those first few minutes are the tipping point of which direction this can go. If you want to have any chance of a positive outcome, those first few minutes are critical. And the people involved, it would appear, executed it perfectly. And this is where we now start to bleed into what we must do better. So, I want everyone to understand something. An NFL player having his heart stopped live on the field during the game. There's a reason none of us had ever seen that on television. It is because, as best as I understand, in, call it the last 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of NFL football, this specific medical emergency has never happened on an NFL field. Yet, despite that, the folks who are charged were charged with saving DeMar's life, knew exactly what to do, and handled it, it would seem, perfectly. Got to get the face mask off. I think you need a screwdriver. You need something to do that. CPR. Where's the defib machine? All of it. Bang, bang, bang. Moments. Outdoors, in a stadium, on a field, having, again, these are the real life things, right? They are running from where they were. They're out of breath. Confusion. I don't think anyone's head goes to his heart stop. You usually think he's unconscious. His brain diagnosed it, figured it out. Go. Seconds matter. And... Clearly, this is something they have a protocol in place for. Despite the fact that it has literally never happened in an NFL game. They had a protocol in place and they followed it and it appears they saved his life. That is why the reaction of immediate villainization 
of seemingly anyone or any entity one could vilify, to me reveals a real, what's the word? Issue is not the strong enough word. It is, it was a real-time example of a flaw that I think far too many of us have, which is the need for a bad guy, a villain, just because we're looking for either a reason or a place to put our anger and hurt. So within moment before DeMar Hamlin was in the ambulance, there was loud via Twitter, which is my preferred social media, anger at the NFL for wanting to resume the game. Now, the NFL, and I I don't think the NFL is perfect, and I don't think they always tell the truth. But in this one, I believe them, is adamant. They That was not what they were trying to do, resume the game. I also believe Joe Buck, who's a great journalist, that he was told by someone it's five minutes, and then they're supposed to be back on the field. I also think it's very, there is a clear How can both of these things be true? How can the NFL be telling the truth and Joe Buck be telling the truth? It's very simple that the the written down listed protocol is that for most injuries, once the player's off the field, the game immediately resumes. But if there has been an elongated delay due to player injury, you can give the teams five minutes to warm back up. And so someone was asked, what do we do here? And somebody in a position of semi-power, was like, well, what's listed here is five minutes. But that was never happening because this was an unprecedented incident. And I think smart people knew that was never happening. And yet, they if, if you have a grudge against Roger Goodell or a grudge against the NFL or a weird grudge against football, even if you are invested in football, you make your money in football or love football, said, look, another example of what sons of bitches these guys are, how how little they care. And that was irrational. And it was misplaced anger. But people needed a place to put their anger. And I think they also a little bit needed a place to put their guilt. More on the guilt than more. And then once the game was stopped or in the process of being stopped, the the new villain popped up and it was my colleague Skip. And I, listen, do I think Skip's tweet was awkwardly worded? Yes. Do I think that those of us, and I will put myself in that same category, that are either intentionally or just by nature somewhat polarizing, have to be extra cautious about anything we say in true real-life moments because we are almost by nature make people feel some type of way about certain things? Yeah. And do I understand why for certain folks, Skip's tweet, at least initially really struck them and 
the wrong way. I do. Do I also think that any fair and accurate reading of everything on his timeline leading up to that and including that tweet, the end of it, made it very clear that he was thinking what a lot of us were thinking while being concerned desperately for this young man. Anyone acting like it didn't cross their mind, what is the league going to do here? You can't play this game, but they've got a mess on their hands now. Anyone acting like that didn't cross your mind, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe you. There might be, listen, if you are a family member, if you are maybe a former football player that has, that views it differently, I, I believe you. But for the majority of us, that at least came in our minds. And the reason I know it is because the very next day, yesterday, that was the topic everywhere. Now, you want to say it wasn't the time or the place for it? Fine. I'm not, I, I, I am not, I, I understand that part of it. However, the immediate cry that this was a near criminal act was once again simply, in my opinion, folks looking for a villain when there it was not one. So why do we do it? Well, one is inexplicable tragedy is hard for the human brain to comprehend. And we want to find, it's the same reason why it took less than 24 hours for some folks to try to kind of toe the line of maybe T. Higgins is at fault. Nobody was at fault. Anyone that watched this knows nobody was at fault. But we got to find someone. Because otherwise, I don't think we have the ability to process it. Religious folks do to a degree. And we'll talk about that in a moment as well. I have great great admiration for religious folks in moments like this. But I said guilt earlier, and I want to say that. I want to explain my thoughts there. I think the reason with football, specifically, whenever something bad happens, we are so adamant that if not for this boogeyman of the day X, this wouldn't have happened is because it's the way we all reconcile the fact that the only real way to make this sport safe is for it not to be played, but we all love it, and a lot of us gamble on it, and a lot of us make our money off it, and we play fantasy, and we get so wrapped up, but we can't be the bad guys. We, it, it, no, 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 no. When Tua Tonga has his head smashed against the turf in Cincinnati, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that, that could have been prevented, guys. That was the Dolphins' fault. And Mike McDaniel's lying. And the league must not care about its players. 
because it's something that happened a week before that not many of us took any notice of. But now we do. And when this young man suffers cardiac arrest after the most regular football play you'll see all week, no, 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 no. That either could have been prevented or the league didn't do the right thing or this media member that I already hated is the worst guy in the world as opposed to this is the devil's bargain we've all made. Everybody. Violent, dangerous, scary sport that we love, that is the most popular in America. And the players and the fans and the league have all Agreed, we will make it as safe as we can while acknowledging can't be totally safe. Yet, when when the true scary tragedy happens, some folks want to pretend that there is their hands are totally clean. And I'm here to tell you, my hands are about as dirty as it gets. I literally make my living talking about these games. And maybe that, you know, some folks will say that that is my complicity in all of this. I, I am letting myself off the hook, whatever. What I won't be is a hypocrite. And what I won't be is pretending that Every time something awful happens, it could have been preventable or prevented or it could have been handled better if only this boogeyman X would have done his job. I won't do that. And I wish instead there was more of an immediate focus on the folks who did their jobs, who it does appear saved this young man's life. And lastly, before we get to the actual show, this went longer than I thought it would. My apologies. I said earlier I was envious in some ways of the religious folks. And I said on TV that in these times, listen, I'm not a religious person. However, and I said this on TV, I'll say it again. My wife is a deeply religious person. And while we don't go to church as much as she would like, she has true, deep spiritual beliefs. There's an envious component of when something like this happens, those folks have a grounding. That I don't. But that's not actually what I wanted to say about the religious community. I want to say something else here. And we talk almost no politics on this show, and we've never talked religion on this show. But bear with me for just a moment. Uh, there are, in, in some ways, I feel like the religious communities have at times. Yeah, not at times. A lot of times, got a bad rap. And zealots of any faith are typically folks that I don't have quarter for. And I think do a great deal of damage on a worldwide scale. Okay. However, I spent 60, 30 seconds on TV this week, just being honest, saying, hey, I'm not a religious person. This is what I said here. But Brew, my partner on TV is, my wife is, and I'm envious of you guys in that regard. 
in, in moments like this. And the number of people who are deeply religious who reached out to me with a welcoming hand saying, hey, man, it's available to you. Hey, thank you for your words. Also know this, that, and the other. Not trying to convert me. Not saying, well, you better get on board or else you're going to burn internal. None of, none of the extreme stuff that I think we paint with a broad brush at times. Just genuine kindness and just genuine care that they were like, hey, this is a guy who said he's not, he doesn't, isn't religious. Sounds like he might want to be. And it's available. I thought that was a striking act of kindness. And I appreciate it. Now, I don't know I'm gonna take, that I'm going to take anyone up on it. It is a conflicted part of my own brain. But I, I do feel like in this moment, there is a, it, when, I, when I'm saying we should give credit more often, I also want to give it to our, some of our folks in the religious communities out there that I was struck by their kindness and generosity of spirit. and. I hope that made sense. And I, you know, I, one of the reasons I like this show is it's a platform. Unlike you could never do this for a half hour on TV, uh, but we could today and we could here. And I appreciate you guys. And as I always say, my thoughts are with Damar. And if you're a prayerful type, please pray for him. Uh, and it looks like there's good news on the horizon. And uh, I hope this resonated with some folks. We are going to take a brief break, maybe two minutes, and then do a regular show because we're going to have some fun today. What's right? All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright? If you had, Nick has a semi-religious awakening on your bingo card for our second show of 2023. I mean, come collect your prize. But now we're going to do a regular show. Demonze was sitting there stoically. I appreciate you sitting there off camera. Can I ask you a quick question before we start the show? Do you think you have learned more about like how my brain works in the year of doing this show with me than you had learned in our 14 years together prior combined? Um, That's a good question. I think. Maybe, but I feel like I pretty much. So there's, I guess the maybe you knew me better than you know I, the I'm giving you credit for, but but I just wonder. I, there's always times because it, it, in this space you're my coworker, but obviously you're also my son, and I always do wonder like, what would I? Because there have been times I have sounded like overly arrogant. You're probably used to that, or really like reckless about certain things. And sometimes incredibly vulnerable. You've seen me almost cry or cry a couple times on here. And every once in a while, I'm like, man, now I had a di- different relationship with my dad. Not a bad one. But I was like, I always think, I'm like, man, if I was sitting across from my dad, I'll tell you a quick story before we get to the show. <laughs> my dad might get mad at me. I'll, I'll never forget. I was maybe 15, 16 years old. 
My dad was the fire. My dad is. Uh, his name is Louis Wright. And he was the president of the firefighters union in Kansas City for the better part of 30 years. And he was fireman for 40 years. And one time when I was 15, 16 years old, he brought me to, I went to a bunch of his union meetings, but there was one in particular where it was really contentious. And I don't remember exactly what it was about, but one of the union members was furious with my dad and some of the decisions he made and stood up and said something really, really out of line, really out of line <laughs> that I won't repeat because uh, I don't want to misquote it in a quarter century ago or 20 years ago. And my dad, oh, he might be mad at me. Sorry, Pops, statute of limitations, we're okay. My dad said to him, if you want to continue that conversation, I think you and I should step outside. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I think he just threatened to fight him. I'm like, oh, man. I was like, that's a totally new version of Pops. That I, I was like, I think he just threatened to fight that guy. Like, and, I, and also, by the way, I was 15. I mean, my dad was in his early 50s. I also think I was like, Pops, I think you're going to get washed. <laughs> I think that guy's I think that guy's like a 28-year-old firefighter and you're like 52. <laughs> like careful now, dad. I don't know. All right, what are we uh what is, let's get into the show. Uh here's what missed the cut. Here's what didn't make the show. Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't know who Jeff Saturday is. Demonza, you and I watched that play together. Kayvon Thibodeau was the one who sacked Jared Goff. And then it looked like Goff's. Oh, the pump fake. Well, no. When oh, it looked we got like messed when, up. And Thibodeau was doing snow angels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after the game, Thibodeau was like, my job's to hit the quarterback. Because Jeff Saturday said it was totally classless. And Thibodeau said, I don't know who that is. <laughs> so, he also probably, I don't think he knew that the He guy definitely was didn't yeah. know that Goff was. Yeah, it's tasteless if he knew. It might be a little tasteless either way. It's really egregious if he knew. We're not that, doing snow angels when we sat quarterbacks now? Well, no, no, no. I guess I, I guess one could argue that before you celebrate a big hit, See you should make sure okay. the guy's okay. Yeah. But I certainly don't think he knew that Goff was writhing in I pain. Mean, him, he never got off the ground. No, it, 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 and it was also Nick Foles, by the way. At least he didn't oh, get up in like gritty or something. Oh, thank you. You're He's right. I keep saying... You were saying golf. Yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. So my bad. That's it was Nick Foles. You're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, my apologies there. All right. Also, Justin Fields is out. He's not going to break Lamar's record. And March Madness is expanding to 90 teams. I got to tell you guys something. This is my. I don't. You know what? I just. This is another little window into my brain. I just did 25 minutes of kind of walking on a tightrope in the Demar Hamlin talk. I was not nervous for a second of it. What I'm about to say right here, I'm incredibly nervous about. I don't love March Madness. I, I, I just don't put that on social, Lori. Championship uh, game coming up, too, I, right? The, no, the, the uh, college football championship March. game. We're talking about basketball. Yeah, college football. But the basketball tournament's about to expand to 90 teams. I, I mean, I watch it and I'll gamble on it. But my investment in the day-to-day -day college basketball is directly correlated to his Syracuse good that year. <laughs> Syracuse is good that year. I am all in when they're mediocre. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll check in in late uh, in late February and see where we're at. All right, let's get to the actual show. 
All right. Every year, folks like you debate whether it's smart or not to start the starters in the last week of the season. Mm-hmm. The Chargers, Cowboys, and Bucks are claiming they're all going to play their starters. Yeah. You've been saying for the for weeks the Bucks would get a week 18 bye if they wanted it. Yep. Yeah, it seems like head coach Todd Bowles is not using the time to rest, guys. Are the Bucks blowing it by not taking advantage of this golden opportunity? Well, they will be if they play them the full four quarters. I don't believe these teams. The Cowboys, <laughs> I might believe, because the Cowboys and Eagles play at the same time. Right. The Chargers could know by kickoff that they're the five seed no matter what. Reverse psychology. They could be doing a little bit of... Just trying to mess with the opposition's mind. Yeah, make them play their hearts out. Yeah, Correct. I don't... So, the Chargers would be insane if going into their game, because their game's at 430 and the Ravens' game's at 1, if the Ravens lose, the Chargers are locked into the five. The Chargers dealing with all the injuries they've dealt with this year, last year, the entire history of the team. If they were to play Justin Herbert and Allen and Mike Williams and Joey Bosa a full game, I don't think they will. The Bucs, here's a fun Tom Brady stat. He has never sat out a game, ever. Tom Brady has played a full 16 or 17 games every year of his career except for his rookie year when he didn't play, his second year when he played 15 of the 16 games because he was not the starter week one, came in in week two when Bledsoe got hurt, never looked back. 2008, he played less than one game because Bernard Pollard rolled into his knee and blew it out. And the year he was suspended for four games. So he has never taken a week off for rest. What he has done is played a few series in week 17, now week 18, and then come out of the game. That's what I believe they're going to do. I think Brady will start, keep the streak intact, and then leave. I do not believe 45-year-old Tom Brady is playing the entire game. I think that would be crazy. Also, maybe they would do it. Say they had won last week, but Brady had played terribly. And he was like, I need to get a rhythm. Instead, he had his best game of the year. They're not. I just flatly don't believe they're playing the whole game. Next. All right, the prince that was promised, Trevor Lawrence, has a win and in shot versus the Titans to get one step closer to his crown. Yeah. And the king that was humbled, Aaron Rodgers, has a win and in shot versus the Lions and to get one step closer to having some dignity. Yeah. Which one of these guys would you bet would you bet your life on to clinch? The future Hall of Famer or the guy that took four tries to beat the Texans? Okay, don't be disrespectful to the it's prince. The, it's the Texans. Okay. And he beat them. And last year, we know doesn't count. The, Trevor's having one of the best rookie years ever. What do we because say? Because this is his rookie year. Because last year didn't count. What What do we say when like teams like always beat beat a specific team? Like they're just no like Aaron Rodgers with Chicago. With Chicago, well, he says he owns them. So the Texans own. Trevor no, Lawrence. no, because last year didn't happen. Since last year didn't happen, he won one against Trevor Lawrence. Let me tell you something. About, my answer is Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, I think the Lions are winning in Week 18. And clearly the Jags are winning on Saturday night. Let me tell you about what Trevor Lawrence does when he plays football. Aside from the year that didn't happen. He wins some god dog jewelry and they hang some banners. Four years of high school football in Georgia. Four regional titles. Two state titles. Three years of college football. Three ACC conference, uh, ACC titles. One national title. The year that didn't happen. Throw it out. So really... This year in the NFL, about to win the AFC South. 
when Trevor Lawrence plays, his team wins some type of trophy. This year, it will continue by winning the AFC South. That will be since grade school. Since grade school. Since grade school, <laughs> he has played nine years of football. Eight of them, they have at least won their high school, college, NFL version of division, region, conference. And three of them, they've won the total championship. And then there's the one year that didn't count last year. So give me a break. All right, next. All right, you think the Jags will lock up the AFC South then? Uh, so three teams, Miami, Pittsburgh, and New England are all fighting for the seven seed. Somehow, if the Pats win, they're in. The Steelers clearly need help. Uh, it's crazy that either of these teams, given how bad their rosters are. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are True. there. Yep. Yeah. Who's done more with less, Tomlin or Belichick? Oh, that's a, I didn't think that was going to be the question, but I like it. Uh, to me, it's it's clearly Mike Tomlin. Because Belichick has less in large part because the offensive coaching staff is so bad. But he picked them. Okay. And in some ways, Belichick has less because the skill position guys are so bad. But he picked them. Tomlin, on the other hand, had a quarterback in Big Ben hang on for way too long, put him in a rough position, and then had Trubisky and Pickett as his guy. And yet, they're alive for the postseason. And they are... Seven and two this year with TJ Watt. Seven and two with their best player. Now, I think Miami's going to beat the Jets and the Patriots are going to lose to the Bills. So Miami's going to be the seven seed. But it would be pretty spectacular if Tomlin kept his I've never been under 500 streak alive, won this game, and made the playoffs. Now, he can obviously keep the streak alive and not make the playoffs. They win this game. He's 9-8. and eight. And so I guess I guess he's going to keep that streak alive no matter what. It, or I shouldn't say no matter what, but I believe they're going to beat the Browns. As long as they beat the Browns, the streak stays alive. As far as which team is most interesting in the playoffs, if Cincinnati were the two seed, I think Pittsburgh would be the most interesting seven. Divisional rival, right? If the Bills are the two seed, I think Miami, if Tua is back, would be the most interesting. If Tua is not back, I think the Patriots would be the most interesting. Same reasoning, divisional rival. Third time playing a team, you know, you'll know some things, some institutional knowledge. So uh, we don't know. Now, I guess the Chiefs still could be the two seed. In that case, the most interesting team would be Miami. You get Tyree Kill up against the Chiefs. But Miami doesn't seem to be right now very live to make noise in the postseason if Tua is going to be out for the rest of the year, which I think he is. And Teddy, who I believed in to a degree, can't stay healthy himself. We, I, was, I mean, we, we ran through that first segment in part because I did a 20-minute pre-segment on DeMar Hamlin, and I also did a five-minute preamble to this before the clock actually started. So you know what? We got five minutes of bonus time. We're not even going to use it. And we've but, actually, oh, we we've have got a, poll a poll question. Go yeah. ahead. Um, uh, who, who was oh the who, who has done more with less between Tomlin and Belichick? Uh, seventy-seven percent say Tomlin, twenty-three percent say Belichick. Yeah, I, I think that's right. All right, we'll take a quick break. Keep answering our poll questions. Add your comments to the YouTube comments and questions. And I, I don't know if this is making the show or not. If it's not, our producer's done a terrible job. But uh, one of the greatest moments of my life happened yesterday. Uh, on Jeopardy, and we're going to show it to you, I think. 
It's next. What's right? Warmer, sunnier days are approaching, so fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Factor will help you meet your wellness goals just in time for summer, thanks to a vast menu of chef-crafted, never-frozen meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These fresh meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Variety? They have that. Factor has 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Working on wellness goals? Factor has you covered with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. How do they taste? They're delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious, and delicious options. What about quality? Each Factor meal is restaurant quality with premium ingredients like filet mignon, blackened salmon, and shrimp. So start spending less time in the kitchen now because you don't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean up. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Is a fan of one of the great American art forms. What is that, Lloyd? I love sports talk radio. Um, <laughs> my favorites are Shannon Sharp and Nick Wright, and I just, I, you know, I do literary criticism because I'm a grad student, and I think what they do is sports criticism, and it's beautiful. And you're a fan of the Seahawks, so I have to give you some credit for that. You have. Look at that! After a lifetime of trying to get on Jeopardy, and I, you know what? I think I've been shadow banned. I think they saw. Then when I was 22, I hit Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for 50000 and they didn't want me to go on a Jeopardy run. And so they always say that I fail the, you know, you, there's multiple tests you got to take, and they always say I don't pass them, or I pass some and not enough of them, but they know it's because they don't want me. Or there might be because, you know, I'm on TV on a different network, whatever it is. Lloyd Sy. It's the one guy in your book club. Shouts me out. No, he's not the one guy in my book club. So here's the deal. So... I found this fellow on Twitter. He tweeted, and quote, I stand you on Jeopardy tonight. You got to protect me from the haters. <laughs> he then tweeted, I have literally listened to, oh, I tweeted back to him. I've got you. This was great. Trying to get video for the show tomorrow. Thanks so much. He then wrote back, I have literally listened to every episode of What's Right and have been there with first things first since the beginning. I could weep right now. Why didn't he mention me on the show? I don't know, man. He didn't, that would have been, how great would that have been? If he said his favorite people were Nick Wright and DeMonze. So here's what I want to do. Because I then, once I found him on Twitter, uh, did see he was getting a little bit of blowback for really? shouting me out. <laughs> and everywhere, man. also, he's not a celebrity yet. And but I think what he has done is he searched Lloyd, his name, and Jeopardy, and then saw what people were writing. So like this jerk wrote, I have a big beef from Lloyd from Jeopardy. 
and someone else wrote, he's kind of annoying. And Jeez. so he replied back to them, buddies, with exclamation point. And then this jerk wrote, this Lloyd guy on Jeopardy is such a douche, LOL. And he wrote back, buddy. Uh, so here's what I would like to do, everybody. He right now has 853 followers. Okay. His at is Lloyd spelled L-L-O-Y-D, the way you spell Lloyd. Okay. And then Psy, S-Y, three, three, three. So Lloyd spelled properly, S-Y, and then three, three, three. Lloyd Psy, three, thirty, three. Let's get this man to a thousand followers and send him nice tweets. The guy just won Jeopardy and shouted me and Shannon out. Let's do that. And then I'll tweet out his handle once I have a good video. Someone's going to that. The reason I have that video is because Kevin Wilde's mother was watching Jeopardy and <laughs> text it to him. My mother called me yesterday and was like, all my friends are calling me all these. Sorry, mom. Sorry, Kevin's mom. Oh, he's all these old people watch Jeopardy every day. Evidently. Yeah. I'm on TV every day. <laughs> Nobody calls my mom. The dude on Jeopardy says my name. People are like, oh, my God, your son. So, yeah. So let's be nice to Lloyd. Lloyd's going to hear this. Yeah. It is so great. What a moment. Yep. Um, as it happens, I, I don't think it, I won't name names here. The most random thing ever. Two or three months ago, someone I work with. The reason I'm not naming names is because I'm not sure if they were supposed to tell me. Someone I work with was at a Jeopardy taping because they work with Ken Jennings, the, the host, and called me and said, you will not believe what just happened. I was at this Jeopardy taping, and one of the contestants talked about you. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, he said he was a big sports talk guy and mentioned you and Shannon. So I was so I knew oh, this, this was, was coming the taping, the taping a few because it, it's not a live show. Uh, they tape it a month or so ahead of time. I did not. So know I that. knew that was coming, but I didn't know when. And then I then it happened yesterday. And then I, I found him on Twitter. Wow. This is great. Me and Lloyd, we're going to be Me buddies. And Lloyd. This is going to be awesome. All right, Demonze, we're playing a game now. Today we're playing likely, maybe, and what if. It's been a while, so let me give the audience a little refresher. I will ask you a question on a specific topic, and you will respond with three possibilities, each more far-fetched than the last. First off, let's talk about the crazy offensive boom in basketball. NBA scoring has reached new heights. Last week alone, four players broke the 50-point mark. The Oprah Winfrey show over here. <laughs> What's behind this insane scoring boom? It's likely what, but maybe what, and what if what? Okay, I will answer that question one second. But first, I I've got to tweet out the Lloyd video. I'm too excited. You guys don't want to play defense no more, man. No, that is not it. That is what it is. Oh, that is it not is it, is. it. They're all friends. They're all friends. Oh, That's that is so. What, were they all? They're all buddy. They're tweeting each other and stuff. Oh, good game, bud. You know, you, you, you did a good job. Come score on my team, too. Everybody's just allowing buckets, man. It's it's wild. Okay. I mean, I think I wasn't really alive around that time when, mm -hmm. you know, when Jordan had his whole thing. I probably was alive just wasn't watching TV like that. No, I mean, you were born in uh, July of 98. Yeah, Jordan these, retired. They, just, they had more, I don't like, more frustration. I don't want these guys to be mad at each other, but. Okay. 
Malice so from the palace shouldn't be that far off. Like, I'm not okay. saying that I want that type of stuff to happen, but it's like that would never happen because everybody's just so cool. Everybody just wants to be friends. Okay. Here's the thing about the Monse's terrible take right there. Sweet. <laughs> That's what the conventional wisdom is. What Demonte just said is what I bet a lot of my colleagues believe. There's no defense. Everybody's too buddy-buddy. It's too easy to score. And that is what you come to me for. You're going to be like, humans are advancing. They're just Well, that's part of it, but let me explain. Let me give you some factual evidence, okay? Right now, NBA teams are averaging 113 points per game. Sounds like a lot. 1985, peak of rivalries, defense, Dr. J and Larry Bird holding each other by the throat. And they didn't have the three-point shot. They did have it, but they didn't use it the way they did. Just keep in mind how much teams are shooting three exactly so scoring should be even higher 1985 you know what the scoring average scoring per game was right now it's 113 111 two points difference and when you incorporate three point shot it actually would make you think well it's teams are shooting way more than two extra threes a game so wait was the offense even more potent then now let's go back further 1962 the year will average four fifty a game Average points per game were 119. Hmm. So let's think about this. Now, the 60s, we want to throw out because it was about pace and all of that. The other thing that was going on there is there were only eight teams. And even in the 60s, too many good players for eight teams. So all these teams had all these Hall of Famers. So what was going on in the 80s? Crazy influx of talent. The ABA falls. Bird and Magic come in. Jordan comes in. And all of a sudden, scoring is way up. What happens in the 90s? The league expands. You add Minnesota. You add Toronto. You add Vancouver that became Memphis. You add, I think, Miami. You add Orlando. You add a bunch of teams. Not enough good players. Went from 24 teams to 30 teams quickly. Scoring goes way down and rules change. So what's going on right now? Demonte, if I were to say to you, the best player in the league is Giannis, would you agree? More or less. Okay. Second best player in the league is Luka. Would you be with it? Cool. Some would say third best player in the league is Nikola Jokic. Does that sound reasonable? Right. Or at least those are at least three of the top six. You know, no disrespect to Durant and Steph and LeBron and everybody else. Okay. So Giannis Antetokounmpo, is he from America? No. Luka Doncic, is he from America? Nikola Jokic, is he from America? No. So, why does that matter? Oh, well, the league hasn't expanded in a quarter century. The league is now getting not just the occasional Arvita Sabonis from overseas, but a ton of players from overseas, and they're awesome. So the talent's higher. Okay, well, Donovan and, Mitchell's from here, by the way. I understand. Scored you still have one the other night. You still have no, no, no. Hold on a second. You oh. still have great American players, of course, but what you have is the entire world to choose from, too many good players, some analytics that lead to smarter shots. So scoring is up. Of course, the three point shot has something to do with it. But if it's 113 a game right now, and it was 111 a game 35 years ago. Me thinks it's not that guys just quit playing defense. It's the lazy answer. I know I didn't follow the rules of it's likely, but maybe, but what if, 
But that's the answer. I'm glad you asked the question. I said this segment was going to be fast, and now it's not. But yeah, but but I, I there's wrong narratives that even young people. This is a great example. Demonze never watched a basketball game in the '90s. Never <laughs> did it. Kid wasn't alive, and even he has been brainwashed. Because by the way, it all the fr- this is fruit of the poisonous Michael Jordan oh, tree. This is all because. People have conditioned everyone to believe, you know, when basketball was at its peak, when Jordan was playing, as opposed to, I'm going to show you something real quick, actually, Demonze. I'm going to read the next question, and you're going to watch this video yourself, because I want you to watch the first few minutes of game one of the 1998 finals. And you tell me, Demonze, if you think these are peak athletes, do it away from the mic. Just watch it. And watch the Bulls-Jazz game one. And you tell me in two minutes, I'll do the next thing by myself, if you think that the game was as good back then as it is now. Just watch it. All right. Hey, Nick, last night the Nets ended their 12-game win streak with a loss to the Bulls. Um, Oh, did it say, what did you guys just tell me? Does it say Lloyd is in the chat? Hey, oh, on. Lloyd is in the chat. Keep watching, Demonte. I don't know. Hold on. Just wait till it's over and we'll talk about it. I'm not taking it out of context. You watch. Nets into the 12 game win streak. We lost the Bulls. But make no mistake, after all the antics earlier this year, seem like they can uh, potentially get the East top seed. Is this newfound mojo sustainable or is the off court chaos bound to retor- return? I Listen, Kyrie Irving stays without an incident sign is at like 45, which is near his career high. I would imagine that's coming, but Durant has been absolutely sensational. And we got to give him credit, and they look incredibly dangerous right now. Would I pick them to win the East? Of course not. But with Durant playing at this level, he might win league MVP, and they're dangerous. Next, you keep watching. Zion Williamson once again dealing with injuries after looking amazing. This time he's out for at least three weeks with a hamstring injury. What's going to happen to this guy? If he stays healthy, he's going to be a league MVP. If he doesn't, it's going to be a huge what if. The hamstring injury concerns me. Could hamper him all year. And with a healthy Zion, the Pelicans could potentially win the wide open West. Next, King James, is it over? Or you got how much more? I'm done with it. It's got like 37. No, keep watching. King James took last night off against Miami due to non-COVID illness. I think it's a bit suspicious. He's not suiting up against his former team. Again, that's Mazze's words, not mine. What's really going on here? Guy's 38 years old, coming off back-to-back 40. He's averaging 45 in his last two games. Guy needed a light off, night off. Leave LeBron alone. Next, Cardinals. Kyler Murray had his ACL surgery yesterday. He's not expected back to be in the next season. Arizona's 2023 season's over before it even starts. What's next for the Cardinals? They fire their coach, and at some point, they admit they're wrong about Kyler Murray. Whew. That was pretty good. Demonze, what do you think of basketball in the 90s? Those are the two best players in the league in that game. Michael Jordan and Carl Malone. What do you think after watching that? Um, so I definitely did not anywhere in what I said, mm-hmm. my egregious take, apparently. Mm-hmm. Did I say that the players these days are not much better than the players? Well, you uh, started your egregious take with, oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, Guys no. are bigger, stronger, faster, which yes. they are. But go ahead. And they definitely are. But I'm, I, I've, I've seen the games these days, and it doesn't seem like they're playing 100% defense all the time. Doesn't really seem like they want to, like, you know, like really get after each other like that is the point that I was saying. But I, obviously, people are more athletic. I understand. And have a better shooting ability than they did right. 50 of years course, ago. Of course. But my point is the idea that there was ever an era where 
early regular season, everyone was getting after it all the time, is a myth. What is true is they played more physically. It was it was more brutal, and there was more on-court violence, but that doesn't mean that they actually were trying harder. In the past, <laughs> you could... It was actually way easier to play defense because everyone you didn't have to move around. Everyone is all constricted down in the paint. Now it was harder to get to the rim, but it was yeah. So that's all. So you're uh, saying it's harder to score these the points that these guys are scoring? Of course, of course, you have to be in so much better shape. There's so much better game study uh, ever. Of course. Now is it harder now to get to the rim? No. It was harder then to get to the rim because everyone was compacted in the paint. But it's harder now. You, you're, the level of talent needed to be an efficient scorer now is as high as it's ever been on a per-possession basis. The thing that happened in the 90s, the game was slow. They were walking the ball up the court, so they didn't score as much. They didn't have as many opportunities to score. What's up? They send me back to the 70s. I'm making the league is what I'm hearing. That's 60s. Brock Purdy. 60s. <laughs> 70s, I don't know. But the 60s, yeah. The 60s, I, I think you could give Bob Cousy some buckets. And Bob Cousy was like the best, won a league MVP. We're not doing anything else. We're not doing Brock Purdy. We've got to get to the chat. Where You know what? We're, we're going to do the chat. We, Lloyd is live in the chat, our Jeopardy champion. He also has almost 1,000 followers at Lloyd Sy. L-L-O-Y-D-S-Y-333. He's in the chat. We'll talk with him virtually next. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. All right, welcome back in. Final segment. We are way late today. My apologies, uh, but we're live in the chat, and our Jeopardy champion, Lloyd, that shouted us out live on Jeopardy yesterday. It wasn't live, but it was aired yesterday. He's in the chat. Demonte, what's our comment or question from Lloyd? So we've got a question from Lloyd, whose follower counts at 950. He just said that, just wanted to say what's up, and also, who's your favorite tennis player? Favorite tennis player is Rafa Nadal. And I, he, it might be about over for him. He's dealt with some injuries. I'm not a Jokovic fan, and I used to, listen, I think Federer is probably the GOAT, but I like Rafa the most, and Rafa actually has an, a, a unique GOAT case. It's kind of tough in tennis. 
We, it's not time for Nick's tennis corner right now. Uh, but that's my answer. And Lloyd, we're going to get you to 1,000 followers. And don't let people be mean to you on Twitter. What's up? Yes, don't let people be mean mm-hmm. to you on Twitter. Uh, Lloyd said uh, from Jeopardy. Uh, yeah. Lloyd from Jeopardy again. It's mm-hmm. the same guy. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to say what's up. Okay, you oh, already wait. read that one. <laughs> same way. Hey, you just fried me. The other <laughs> question was just up there. Yeah, okay. They literally deleted Okay, it. well, what about the question from Colin? <laughs> Colin says, other than sports, what would be your there, be- Yo, go ahead. Other than sports, what would be your best and worst categories in Jeopardy? I like Demonte is locked in, though. Demonte's like, hold on. He put his finger up. He's like, I've got another question I'm supposed to read. And then it, then it just does. It took him six words to realize, hold on a second. This feels familiar. No, I understand. I saw what they did. They did fry you. It's not your fault, but it's just funny. Um, what would be my best or worst categories in Jeopardy? All right. Worst categories would be anything to do with art. Like somebody's like art history, and they're like, "This is in this era of." I I know nothing about it. You said Bob Ross. Yeah, Yeah, I know nothing about it. Nothing about it. I would say, uh, my best categories would be U.S. history, U.S. politics, world history on a generic level, not like on a really smart person level. But like on a the type of Jeopardy questions level, uh, world history, I'd be good at. I like the potpourri segments, Jacksonville um, royalty, uh, and the other one I would say is the ones that uh, have to do with like it. Sometimes in Jeopardy, it's like each answer has three syllables, or each answer starts with this letter. My brain's good at figuring that stuff out. And so occasionally, not very often, but occasionally, they basically have like a math category, and I'd run the table in there. So those are the ones that I would do. All right, we got to go. Got a Apo- little riddle for you guys the next time we do the show. Okay, do, it's tune in Monday for DeMonte's Riddle. Uh, apologies for everyone that we didn't get to your questions. I got to go to do television. Have a great day, everybody. What's right?